Hello all and welcome to episode 111 111 of the Man to Man NBA show. We're very happy you're here. First time, long time listener, anything in between. Welcome back. Welcome to the pod. We love to have you. Uh, we are back with at least a partial team this week. Last week I was running it by myself, a little solo pod, which as fun as it is, I always love to have somebody to talk to. And I'm back here today with my man, Hoop. Liam, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. It's glad. I'm, I'm sorry we missed. I missed at least last week. Um, I don't know what Andy's up to and how he's feeling about it, but I'm sorry that I missed, but it's always good to get back in the chair and talk some hoops with you. So I'm, I'm doing good today. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to have you, man. Happy to have some someone to talk to. Just talking to a computer screen for 55 minutes. It's a little tougher than people would ever think. It's tough to do that. So, you know, having somebody to bounce off is always good and i think today is going to be a very good episode we got a lot to talk about um we do know where andy is this week last time we had to do this uh one-on-one pod we did not know where andy was but now we know where he is so that's a already a plus uh but he could not make it today so we're going to handle it just a little one-on-one and if i'm not mistaken y'all recently recorded another interview that could be going up on the feed later this week yeah we got a yesterday i guess for you guys, I listened on Saturday of this you know, past week. We sat down with an up-and-coming new artist. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but he was at a you know certain event for music, so it was really cool to be able to sit down with somebody that was kind of in the in the mix and give us some time to talk about what he's doing and kind of the new songs that are being released by him. But yeah, that will come out on Thursday if you guys are listening to this. So be on the lookout for that for sure. Definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you like what we do, listening to those episodes really helps us a lot because that's how we get better guests when we can show the data that, hey, when people, we do bring people on interview, people listen. And you do listen. So please keep listening, keep showing the love, and uh, hopefully we can keep getting bigger and better guests for y'all. Uh, come summertime when people get a little bit of time off, that's when we typically get our best guests. So Stay on the lookout, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more NBA guests to come, including some more music, uh, pop culture, lifestyle guests as well. Uh, But that is enough about the back end of the man-to-man show. I know why you're here. You're here to listen to some ball talk. And so first off, we're going to start with March Madness. Uh, This weekend was the Final Four. Uh, All occurred, as we talked about, we record on Sunday, so yesterday for us, but Saturday for those of y'all listening. Uh, The final four matchups were very, very good, I'd say. We'll start with the Kansas-Villanova matchup. It was the first matchup, definitely the little brother of the matchups, just given the other two teams that were playing. But I'd say the Kansas-Villanova matchup, although the game honestly was better than I expected, it went about as expected. Kansas handled business. They won uh, 81-65, excuse me, over Villanova. Uh, Villanova being down a player when they already had a very short rotation. They were pretty much only seven deep to begin with. They lost a starter, went down to six deep. Um, they, they just look gassed after 40 minutes of play. And it's tough to keep up with this Kansas team. That's one of the most complete teams we've seen in college basketball in recent memory. They're deep. They can shoot it. They have athletic bigs, athleticism across the board, experience, everything you could ever ask for in a championship team. Uh, Hoop, you have a future on Kansas to win it all, I believe. So you must be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, man, I I saw Kansas play. I'm be honest. This is if a couple of people are listening to this, they're gonna they're gonna know about why I did this and why I picked this. But Kansas beat Texas Tech, and there's a, a long story behind why I don't like Texas Tech, and it's pretty out there um, for the people that know. But they beat Texas Tech about I want to say really I want to say lean up to the um, conference tournament, or they might have been in the conference tournament. I forgot but it was right around there and they just looked so good I thought Texas Tech obviously was a good team this year um but they beat them and I saw that you know some money was being put on the table and and I got Kansas at I believe it was 13 to 1 to win it all and right then and there I put it in the books and and I'm praying that it will it'll come through. But yeah, the game itself for me, it was I mean, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't ask for any more if you have a future to get at least get to the final game. 
um, for Kansas. And like you said, Nova just looked like they didn't – they were down a player and it looked like they were kind of missing something um, in that realm. So they just couldn't really shoot the ball very well. But congratulations to Kansas. Villanova always – always a good team. I feel like we just kind of sleep on them sometimes. Now, I mean, at least for me, they're, they're kind of been slept on. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty easy to say at this point that Jay Wright has ran the most consistent program at least the last seven, eight years, probably the entire decade. Uh, they just produce winners, you know. And they have – they bring in, like, top-level recruits, don't get me wrong. They're going to go to Villanova. But they don't bring in these like massive guys that would probably be one and dones that are like the you know the expected level of athleticism to be put into the NBA. But there are so many good NBA players in the league right now that went to Villanova: Mikael Bridges, Sadiq Bay, Jalen Brunson, guys like that. Kind of where it's like they just do their job well, and that's the kind of guy Jay Wright recruits, and it's proven to work pretty well. They're, this is a Final Four; they've won two championships in the last seven, eight years. They're always there. Uh, John Rothstein, big college basketball Twitter guy, says uh, Villanova, Fortune 500 company. And it's it's true. that That's how they are. That's how they, they treat – this is a job for them. They go to work and they do their job and then they win games. And, I mean, honestly, if they had their full roster, I'm sure they give this Kansas team a run. But like we both talked about, this Kansas team is just really, really good top to bottom. And they will be playing in the championship, as will the North Carolina Tar Heels in the eight seed. I don't think many people saw this coming from the beginning. I know a couple of North Carolina fans. They didn't even see this coming, this run. Uh, the Duke-North Carolina game was probably the biggest non-championship tournament matchup we've seen in a decade. I mean, this is the, the college basketball rivalry, Duke-North Carolina. These are two blue bloods, two incredible programs, and they, this is the first time they'd ever play in the NCAA tournament. It was a hell of a game, and the heels came out on top, 81-77. And now, Hoop, I know you're not a huge college basketball analyst, but um, Armando Baycott, that dude's a machine on the glass. I've never seen – like, th- he's the best college rebounder I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, this is definitely the biggest game that hasn't mm-hmm. been a finals game that I've ever watched in college basketball, you know. And then to your point about Baycott, I I mean, I actually had Duke in this game. I had a money line along with the over. And this guy – I'm gonna be honest with you, and I never root for injuries. But when that when he went down with like you know two or three minutes, I was like, this could be the the reason why Duke wins because this guy has been eating this team up on the boards all night. Twenty one rebounds. That's like, I mean, who does that in college? Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I'm just like, not that I'm rooting for injuries, but it was you know. It was a little, uh, I guess, uh, dramatic when he, like, left the court, went back to the back, and then, like, two minutes later came out and was like, that's kind of – that's what I pictured. It was like, well, that's – I mean, it's over. I mean, UNC wins. Um, but it was a good game. It was definitely a good game to watch. Yeah. And it was probably a little over dramatic saying he's the best college rebounder because, honestly, Oscar Shibway, who won days with player of the year, is probably a better rebounder than Armando consistently. But on the biggest stages – Armando has been rebounding crazy, like eight offensive rebounds. Now, the, the, the problem with Armando is that if half of those offensive rebounds are off of missed tip-ins and stuff, you're like, all right, he should probably make that layup. But he gets the board and he puts it back, and he's doing the job. He's playing great defense. I, Armando's been awesome. And another guy for North Carolina, because this North Carolina team, they, they're, they're not horribly deep either, but most teams aren't really playing, you know, deeper than seven, eight guys at this point anyway. Uh, Caleb Love, their, their scoring guard. He did not have a very good first half, was really quiet, and then had a huge second half, hit the biggest shot, I mean, of the tournament so far, I'd say, where the stakes were at. I mean, with about 26 seconds left, hit a massive three to put North Carolina kind of that extra possession ahead that you really need at the end of games. Um, basketball purist in me, and I'm sure in you, Hoop, said like that was not a good shot. It was, they had the lead, and they had uh, plenty of time to run down, and they could have just really ran it down to basically 10 seconds left, but – Hey, Caleb Love didn't get here playing conservative, man. He, he's he's been chucking all all tournament, and he's been making a lot. And that was that shot was cash. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I guess this is just more of a basketball question than a UNC Duke question. But like, when you see a guy take a shot like that, even if it goes in, are you still like that was a bad shot, or do you think there's never been a bad shot that went in? 
See, this is the the great great debate. Um, yeah. As a shooter myself, um, mm-hmm. I would hate when coaches be like, "Hey, maybe think about your shot selection um, on that one." That was probably not the best. And if it goes in, that's the ultimate. Like, I don't care what you just said to me because it went in. Um, if you don't want me to make shots, don't let me shoot it. Um, is kind of my mentality. But the thing that I kind of I guess rethought when I was watching this game, we kind of talked about it. And it's kind of been a theme about improving draft stock in terms of on a stage like this and, you know, kind of being able to show your talent. Caleb Love, I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, a superstar in the NBA or something like that. But if you got a, a player like that that explodes in the second half and basically wins the game for you on that shot and stepping up in big times, People are going to start to think of that and see that and say, oh, he's a, you know, he, at least for me, I guess the short answer to that is just, I think he did all he could to improve any type of draft stock that he, you know, potentially might have had or if he's going to get some more um, later in his career. But it was just a big game. I mean, big players step up in big games and we see it from him. So it was, it was fun to watch him out there just kind of. He, he's just a very athletic. I never think of him when I was watching a couple of games of UNC. He's never a guy of like, oh, he just takes over a game. He's just so athletic. He just kind of does that. And it's kind of what we saw here, but he definitely took over that game in the second half. So it's fun to watch. Yeah. Fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely took it over. An all-time great performance. It'll go down in Carolina lore history for a long time. Uh, those two scoop layups he had in the second half where he went up, absorbed the contact and stuff like that's a that's a next level play. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that can make that layup, make that play. I don't as far as his NBA future goes. Again, I don't know if he'll ever have a long NBA career. I mean, I'm sure he can go play Euro ball or something like that if he really wants to. He doesn't really have a super big fit in the NBA, but guys with that confidence, that athleticism and that shot making ability, there's he can probably carve out a slot for himself somewhere. I, I'm sure I mean, I'm, I don't know if his stock will ever be higher than it is right now. So he'll probably look to come out. I think the same with Armando. That they, they don't really have, like, big NBA futures, at least at this point from what I can see. But, hey, somebody will take a chance on him. Guys like that, guys like Armando who can get 21 rebounds in the biggest college game against this Duke team that has five legitimate NBA draft picks in their starting lineup, guys like that just don't come around real often. So somebody's going to be willing to take that risk. They'll probably both be second round draft picks. I've had to guess they're at least signed, like training camp signees. But this North Carolina team, they got a chance to win a championship after a very up and down season. Hubert Davis, first year coach, going to lead them to the ship. That's insane. I mean, the, this UNC team has been, uh, I mean, I don't ever want to consider North Carolina the underdogs because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are still five star recruits and they've been the best at the best. Like they're still top whatever percentage of college basketball players. But if you watch this UNC team play like mid December, you, you, there was a. It looked like they weren't even gonna make the tournament, and now they're they're here and they've proven they're one of the best two teams left. So good for North Carolina. We, we should talk about Duke at least briefly. You don't ever want to talk too much about the losers, but this was a big day in Duke history as uh, Coach K is done. No more Mike Shostevsky is the lead guy at Duke. Um, as long as I've been alive, definitely as long as I've been watching college basketball, this will be the first time ever. Um, they already have their head coach and things really aren't going to change that much at Duke if we're being honest. But um, I would say watching this Duke team, and I know you love Paolo, but the the way they struggle to get consistent offense going, which I know they still scored 77 points, but just bear with me. The way they, especially Paolo and AJ Griffin and guys like that were unable to get hit their shots in the second half, gets their spots and make shots was a little concerning for all of these guys in NBA future. Yeah, that was the biggest thing that I kind of saw just slowly watching them through this tournament there has been times where especially late game obviously that's like the focal point um because that's kind of where you win and lose games but even like at the end of half sometimes um especially like against uh Arkansas they would just stop scoring the ball like putting the ball actually I don't know if it was just a little bit obviously you can just say shots weren't falling but it was more of like I saw some offensive sets that just looked like it was just not, you know, being able to get the guys in the right positions to even get a shot in the first place. Um, but yeah, for me, Paulo, 
if he Pablo, I'm sorry, I, I call him Pablo because that's just funny. Um, but Paulo, if he I, I wanted to see him more assertive down the stretch. I know he scored what 19 points or something, and, and almost maybe a double double, or at least like did he get the double double? I think he did, yeah. might have, but it, it was very quiet of 19 points. I know he hit maybe one or two threes, um, kind of walked into those, but down the stretch, like you got to be kind of like take a take a note of what Caleb Love was doing and kind of just go right back at it and kind of have a duel off. Um, but it's sad to see Coach K leave. Um, I'm kind of glad that he's gone um, because this season has been kind of a roller coaster with Duke and the storylines and stuff. I would have rather them lose this game than make it to the championship and lose that game because then it's just like, I don't know. I think it would have been a lot more people on Twitter talking like, oh, we got to the championship game. His legacy isn't that bad or whatever. I know that's kind of the conversation around social media right now too, but you can't discredit what Coach K has done for the game of basketball. Um, I would say, obviously, for me, the best coach. I would say I would put him up there as probably the number one coach of all time for me, um, just because wouldn't of college basketball that is because wooden you know early early years different game obviously he has the championships and stuff but now and what people will remember coach k is going to be that number one guy for until somebody does it um and, and matches his kind of resume so yeah it was all, all in all a good weekend i'm looking forward to the the championship game for sure so yeah, sir. We'll do a little preview on the championship. Um, it, North Carolina, Kansas. I'll just give my take on it real quick. Um, as great as North Carolina has been this run, and we've talked for at length so far about how good they are, Armando, Caleb Love, guys like that, uh, Leaky Black. They they have a really good roster, but the what this Kansas team, the entire tournament, besides one half against Miami, which they then turned around and absolutely dominated the second half, has looked like far and away the best team. And that is typically the team that wins these tournaments. I think about Baylor last year. Baylor didn't really struggle at all in the tournament. And then in the championship, they beat a really good Gonzaga team. It's it, a couple of those Villanova teams from the past. Like the teams that look the best the entire tournament typically end up winning. And that's where Kansas falls for me. Um, I, I think they end up pulling this out. I, I honestly, I think they beat this North Carolina team by probably like eight to 10 points. So I got, I got Kansas. Yeah, I'm going to look it up real quick. But the biggest thing I think. Obviously, I have Kansas. Um, my future is on Kansas. And I I mean, I, I, the hottest team and the most complete team usually ends up winning the championship. And not that North Carolina isn't the hot. I think North Carolina is by far the hottest team probably to make that run this year. But um, Kansas is also as hot. But I wanted to look up. I think one of my I think this is going to be kind of controversial but i think kansas's road might be one of the easiest roads to the finals that i've ever seen i mean texas southern creighton creighton who i mean creighton's not a they have a year or two every once in a while that they're really good providence very overrated providence team miami a 10 seed and then and then i, I just think i feel like their road has been very easy to get to the championship um and then villanova's squad that's down a player i think that's for me i mean that's what you kind of need i mean obviously you want the easiest road to a championship but i don't i can't remember an easier kind of road for a team that is in my eyes the best team is it but that is what it is i'm glad they're there and hopefully they'll uh they'll take it just wanted to throw that one out there. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely they. That's where the chaos of it is like. At the end of the day, this team, this Kansas team, that has like we talked about dominated. They 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 really haven't played that many good teams. So maybe this North Carolina team jumps up and bites them. I don't know, but I, the way this Kansas team plays. I just don't see anybody beating them. They have incredible guard play. They have great bigs, athleticism everywhere. 
I, I like them a lot. I'm going to take Kansas. And, and although I do think it'd be a good game, I just think Kansas runs away with it probably at the end. But hey, the way Caleb loves shooting, man, the way Armando's rebounding, they may just stick right with them. And honestly, this would be a hell of a championship run by UNC. I'm not a Tar Heel fan by any stretch, but got to give respect where it's due, man. This would this would be an all-time tournament run as, a, as an eight seed. They pulled it out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't see them winning uh, UNC, but don't count them out. I do think this game is going to be wire to wire. I know the spread opened up at like four and a half points. And I think that is like, I'm scared to take either side. You know, four and a half is kind of right where I, you know, pictured this game to be at. And obviously I'm hoping that some money comes in. So the, the line moves one way or another and I can maybe jump on a side that I like. But obviously, I mean, it's going to be a great game, I think. And it'll be the last college basketball game we get for a while. So we got to enjoy it no matter what it is. All right. So that'll take us to the NBA. But before we get there fully with both feet in, I do have a trivia question for you, Liam. Are you ready? You got to run it solo this week. So you need nobody to bounce ideas off of, but I got some good hints for you. I think you should be able to get this one eventually. So are you ready? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Awesome. So in the theme as what's been basically the entire last month, I'm giving NCAA-themed trivia questions that have NBA connections. So this week's trivia question will be the last NCAA one for a while. Can you name me three players who played for either North Carolina or Kansas, could be from either school, who won a national championship and an NBA championship? So Kansas, North Carolina, two of the winningest programs in college basketball history. They've obviously both won a lot of championships and put a lot of guys to the NBA. However, there is a very select few that won a championship at both. So I'm only asking you to name me three. There's more than three, but I just want to hear three of them. So if you got any off the top of your head, I'd love to hear it, but I do have some hints for you if you can't get there. Okay, so I know there's the obvious one. That's the first one that clicked in my mind. Um, Fun fact about that game, I'm pretty sure. So Michael Jordan is one, I believe. I'm pretty sure if I have my facts straight, I think he's the one that, uh, now now that I'm saying it, I think he that in that game he hit the game winner to win that national championship. Um I believe so. I don't remember what year that was, but mm-hmm. um so Michael Jordan is one with UNC. You got to give me some hints because uh, this is where I'm I'm struggling. Yeah, yeah. So Michael Jordan is correct that you got one out of three. So I'll give you a Kansas player. So this player went to Kansas and he won a championship. He beat the Derrick Rose Memphis team in the championship and he won his championships at the NBA with the Miami Heat. Okay. Um, that's a good one. I believe. Damn. Kansas, Kansas player with the heat. Oh, uh, point guard. Uh, Mario Chalmers, right? Mario Chalmers, that is correct. He won one with Kansas and yeah. a couple actually with the Miami Heat. Leads on yeah. the the Heatles teams. So you got two. You got MJ and Mario Chalmers, two very similar players, Michael Jordan and Mario Chalmers. And then there's a couple more here. Do you want I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a little bit less of a hint this time. Uh, I'll say it was UNC and he's won a, he's still playing now and he's won a championship with three different teams in the NBA. Ooh, that's a good hint. Um now, all right, so I'm going to just start thinking of players that I, mm-hmm. I have in my mind. Um, most oh, three different teams, that's that's a good hint. Uh, UNC. Damn it. Um, so now I'm thinking about the UNC and three different teams. Oh, I know what. I think this is it. Uh did he he won one with LeBron James. Yes, um, he did. Yeah. Danny Green. Danny Green's one. And that is then, correct. There's a couple more hints on here that I've seen. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, James Worthy is probably one of them. That is true. And I don't know. That's about all I can think of off the top of my head. Yep, so all those are correct. MJ, obviously, Mario Chalmers. Danny Green did one. Uh, he won a championship with North Carolina and then won NBA championships with the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Lakers. Couple, And there's a few others if you go a little bit further back, but those are the ones I had. Yeah, that's a good question. 
That was a good one. I like that. Yep. So we'll see if there'll be any others. Uh, really only, only guy on either team right now, although there's a couple on Kansas, but, um, that have a chance at it, but, uh, Agbaji, he's got a chance, uh, Braun, their shooting guard. He, that guy could definitely carve out a little career for himself in the NBA just because he can shoot the lights out. A couple guys like that who, uh, you know, and Armando and Caleb Lowe, like we talked about maybe sometime in the future. So we'll see if there's any more of those coming and hopefully a Monday night, we get ourselves a good game and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it next week. But this week we got a lot of NBA action, a lot of important NBA action because it's the last week of the regular season. Next Sunday, regular season's done. No more. We're in playoff time. There'll be a very, very short break and then some playing games in the playoffs. So this week's games are very important for a lot of teams when it comes to seeding and a couple teams when it comes to just making the playoffs, but mostly seeding. And that's why my game of the week this week is going to be Celtics Bucks on Thursday night. These are two teams with one seed aspirations in the East. Um, I'm not sure. We'll talk about it later. I'm not sure the one seed in the East is really where you want to be right now, but we'll talk about that. Um, it could be set by this point. The seeds could be relatively decided, but I don't think they will. I think there'll still be a little bit of overlap. And if they are set, we could see two bench units going at it, which that's always fun in its own right. But um, I, I don't think that'd be the case. It's going to be basically a pick game. And um, in my last game of the week in a pickup game, which ended up actually ended up being about a four-point spread against the Heat, I took the Celtics money line and they lost, which was a little unfortunate. So I'm going to go with the Bucks this week. Uh, if all the starters are playing, give me the Bucks. I, I love the way the Bucks, this, this Bucks seems to be playing. Giannis is playing out of his mind. There's nobody that can guard him in the NBA right now, and especially with Robert Williams out for the Celtics. Um, I like the Bucks here, but if the bench units are playing, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll take, I'll take, I'll still, still take the Bucks, but I honestly don't know if the bench units play. But that's my game of the week. That's on Thursday night. I like it. I mean, Bucks are they're looking hot. Um, I know as we're recording this, they're playing the Mavericks. I don't know. Um, it's probably in the late fourth quarter. I don't know how that game will turn out, but. Yeah, I'll go to my game of the week. Uh, I'm going to do the Nets at the Knicks on Wednesday night. It's an ESPN game. I think, like you said, the the East is kind of set for all the teams that are, you know, to make either the playoffs or the play-in game. Um, and this is where the Nets need to start, you know, getting on a roll, especially when if they were going to play in this play-in game or tournament or whatever you want to fucking call it. Um no matter who they play to me, they need to start clicking in terms of getting rolling into the playoffs. I mean, obviously playoffs are different than regular season, but you can't just go into the playoffs after getting blown out, especially in a one game takes all after getting blown out, you know, in a game prior. I mean, nobody, I mean, that's not how you win basketball games. So I'm going to take the nets. I'm sure they're going to be favored playing the, the Knicks that aren't playing for anything anymore. And kind of just a down year for them after last year. But I think this is where the Nets will kind of start to, you know, kick it into the groove and, and get ready for playoff basketball. So I like the the Nets here. I'm probably, again, probably three or four points. Um, lay them. And it's good to see that Kyrie gets to play in his home court. Uh, I know that's been kind of old news as you're listening to this, but first time I get to talk about it. So I'm glad that – New York is is figuring some stuff out and letting them play uh, all home games. So that's going to be a good thing. I know there was a question about, you know, if obviously if they play the Raptors, um, unvaccinated players just can't go into Canada. They're not even going to let them in. So how is that going to work and stuff like that? So who knows how that's going to shake out. But I guess in terms of, you know, Kyrie's situation, it's always good to – to let him play his home games and, and have a full team going into the playoffs. Um, and then if they make it past the playing game into the playoffs, um, I still think they're one of my favorite teams to, you know, kind of run the East this year. I know Milwaukee and, and Boston are playing really, really good game. And I mean, basketball up to this point, but Nets can't count them out either. So that's my game of the week for sure. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought it up this Nets team, because after a loss to the Hawks, they will absolutely be in the play-in tournament, either the 9 or 10 seed, most likely. There could be some shuffling around, but I don't think there'll be that much shuffling around. There's a good chance they're going to have to play two sudden-death games just to make the actual playoffs, which, uh, for, yes, the Nets at the beginning of the year, I don't think they ever saw themselves here, but that's where they are. But it hasn't mattered. 
because this Nets team, they can't defend anybody. They are there when they run their shorter lineups, teams just score at will against them. It's a problem. And I, it's a reason why, even though I have rode the Nets all year and I'm still going to, I, it is hard to be Kevin Durant in a seven game series. I don't care who you are. This team is starting to scare me a little bit the wrong way. As in like this team may not even make it in the, out of the play-ins. I mean, I think everybody would agree this Nets team should beat this Hawks team. Even though the Hawks are good. But if KD is going to score 54 points and you are still going to lose to the Hawks, that just shows that anything can happen in these playing games, in these sudden death games. Even if you have the better team, you can just lose and then you're done. In the 9-10 game, if you lose, you are done. Your season's over. There is no coming back from that. So it's gonna, they're going to be awesome games, and I'm sure Kevin Durant would love to only have to score 30 points and then win by 100, but that's just not going to happen. So these, these Nets teams, it's, it's looking very, very interesting. And then on the other side, in the West, this Lakers team – they're scratching and calling just to make the playing game in general and then have to do the exact same thing we just talked about, win two sudden death games. The Lakers haven't won two games in a row against good teams in a, a long time. And I get LeBron's been hurt. And I get AD's been hurt. But it's the, it's the situation is still the same. The odds are growing smaller and smaller each day that both the Nets and the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. And therefore, we could see a playoffs with no KD, no LeBron, no Kyrie Irving. Is that sad or is it, it, as a fan for you, Hoop, or are you just like, you know what, play better? What What is it for you? Yeah, I'm kind of on the ladder, just kind of just play better. Obviously, this is your job. I know Andy's kind of theme around when players don't, you know, kind of baby, we kind of baby these players. Their job is to play basketball and to win games. And he's always talking about kind of like, you know, you're getting paid all this money just, you know, play the game and win and do what you're supposed to. And at the end of the day, you know, things will happen how they are. For me, I'm kind of on that side a little bit. Uh, both of these teams, obviously, you mentioned the injuries. Kyrie had his whole thing. KD had his um, kind of injury spout there too. But at the end of the day, these guys are good enough that LeBron, I don't know what he did in L.A. and why it's a black hole, but he fucked up there after winning a title in a bubble year, which many people just don't even count that as an actual title. Since then, we've not seen the same Lakers team at all. So for me, something needs to change in LA. I'll be okay with no LeBron in the playoffs. I'm okay with that because they probably wouldn't win it anyway. Um, but KD and Kyrie is kind of a different thing. This is their first kind of real test they'll get to be in these playing games for sure and show that playoff basketball is playoff basketball and them being that good they have to show that they're that good and for me I want KD I want all the, all the best players in the world to be you know fighting for a title you know but at the end of the day it is what it is yep so the the playing games, they're going to be very interesting, whether the Lakers are or not. I will be a little sad if we don't get to see Kevin Durant in the in the playoffs because I just love watching him play. Kyrie, too, but, you know, with all the Kyrie stuff, it's kind of tough to miss him because he didn't play that much. And then LeBron, eh, I don't really care if these Lakers teams make it or not. I love watching LeBron play. Don't get me wrong, but the rest of the Lakers roster is just so atrocious. I'm good. So I would miss KD, but everybody else, I'm good with it. And some guys that will certainly be in the playoffs are the guys at the top of the MVP race however the mvp tides are turning i think everybody's starting to feel it what seemed like it was going to be a joel Embiid runaway at one point he was minus money for about two weeks which means he was the favorite pretty handily is turning into it feels like a race between Giannis and nikola Jokic. i just from an outsider's perspective obviously neither of us have votes we don't know what goes into this but we can only trust what we see and what we know it seems like Joel Embiid is kind of starting to be in that third place spot, which don't get me wrong. I think Joel Embiid has continued to play well, even with the Sixers struggles, but what Giannis and Jokic have done for their teams is just, it, it can't be understated. I mean, they've been absolutely incredible. The Bucks, Giannis watching him play is fascinating. He does like three or four things a night where I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in a basketball court. And it's just a normal play for Giannis. He'll, you know, spin out a triple teams on the post, one dribble dunk on like three dudes. And it's like the greatest play of the night, and he'll do it three times. And then Jokic, if, if Jokic wasn't on this Nuggets team, they'd be a top five pick team, definitely a lottery team. Like that, that is how bad they are when he's not on the court. So 
a straw poll of voters, which is not a guarantee and it's not a full picture, but it's usually a pretty good sign, had Jokic winning as of right now. And then actually Giannis in third and then Joel Embiid in second. I would say if you voted right now, there'd probably be even more votes for Giannis in second. What do we think has changed narrative-wise that's going to push Jokic and Giannis above Embiid? Or if you think that's even the case, Hoop. If not, you could just say uh, you think Joel Embiid's still up top, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I guess this is kind of where my thing is always is, is your team winning? And obviously, you got to be the best player on your team. And if the Bucks can, I think they have the ability to sneak into number one. Uh, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, but right now, if Giannis, if the season ended today, I believe, he would be the only player in NBA history to average 30, 10, and 5 at shooting 55% from the field, which is hard to do. I mean, that's crazy to think about. And I know you mentioned to the, me this mentioned to me the, about this before we started recording, but you said that there that Giannis because he won two of them already that they're kind of you know hands down like can't just give it to him, but hands down he is winning the MVP. So and just in terms of his performances and his averages and his numbers and the team is winning. They have, you know, the second seed right now in the East for me. Yeah. Jokic is probably the favorite. I'm going to pull it up actually, now that we're talking about it, betting odds, but Jokic is minus two thirty. Joel Embiid is plus 200 and Giannis is plus 500 to win the MVP. So that tells me that it's pretty much a two man race between like kind of what you were saying, the Joker and and Embiid. But if you're looking to me at who's actually been producing the most for his team and the most numbers and all of that, it has to be Giannis. So I don't know how that kind of factors into what you asked me, but I don't know. It's just hard to think that Giannis right now isn't the MVP. That's the only thing that's kind of twisting my mind. I know you're a big Joker guy. I don't know. I'm curious to see hear what you say about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything because we're going to do a podcast probably next, next week where we kind of give our entire awards ballots as the regular season finishes up. So I don't want to spoil anything, but I would say if, if I was a voter right now, my ballot would go Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, which I think is what most ballots are going to look like. Maybe switch Giannis and Embiid. But I, I just... So, yes, I agree with you. Giannis, as far as team winning, player, individual player performance, doing what needs to do to actually be the best team, the best player on the best team, Giannis is doing all that, and that should be recognized. However, I, I when I look at valuable, that just the definition of valuable, it is so hard for me to choose anybody besides Nikola Jokic just because when you look at how this team performs when he's off the floor, they're atrociously bad. Yo, Jokic has to be playing like, 42 minutes a game just for them to even like have a chance to win the bucks aren't like that with Giannis, which is good for bucks fans and it's good if you want to win a championship you shouldn't have to have guys like that the nuggets do and this nicole Jokic, they're gonna end up making the playoffs safely they're not even gonna be in the playing game do i think they make it out the first round probably not but just to get there in that achievement level i like i like Jokic. i, I like him a lot and i would put, give him my vote but if Giannis wins it, I will not be upset at all. And if Embiid wins it, I won't be upset at all because he's my preseason pick. That'd be the first time I ever got that right. But it's kind of trending in the wrong direction. So I'll get. We'll do more awards ballots later, probably next week. But that that's how I see MVP at the moment, and I'm sure that's how most people kind of see it at this point because that's just how it's it's starting to turn out. And there's even like I understand if you had Devin Booker in there, if you had Luka Doncic in there, if you had Ja in there somehow, I think he. That'd be a little crazy at this point just because he's starting to miss games now. And as we've seen, the Grizzlies are, what, 20-2 and two without him? Yeah, that's I mean, a crazy that, stat. That, yeah, like, uh, that, there, that's where the definition of valuable starts to become a little a little twisted. But I, I guess I can understand if you had a job there. DeMar, DeRozan, even. There's so many guys who have legitimate arguments at it, but I think those are the, pretty much the solidified top three at the moment. And we'll see who wins it. I, I If I was – if I had to bet my life savings on it right now, I'd probably say Jokic, but we'll see. 
We will see. It's fun to not know. And I talked a little bit about it last week, how the best picture race kind of is indicative of what could be happening in the MVP race. But if you really want to know that, I talked about it for like 30 minutes. So go back and listen to last week's episode. It's still a little evergreen, but that that's how I'm feeling. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about it next week. So stay tuned. And on the opposite of the MVP conversation and the NBA finals conversation is the tank race. Cause the tank is so on for so many teams. Um, I'll talk a little bit about it later on because it's actually a good story, but I watched the Pistons thunder game from this week, start to finish. And it was, I mean, it was first off, not great basketball. Killian Hayes put up 27, five and five and five first Piston to do that since Grant Hill. Are you kidding me? That's insane. But the these teams, the Magic, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Thunder, are sprinting to the bottom right now. They are actively, because they all want what the best pick they can get, or at least to be in that top three so they have a chance at the first overall pick, one of the best they can get. Uh, right behind them are our two teams, the Pacers and the Blazers, unfortunately. Um, as a Pacers fan, and me as a Blazers fan, uh, we will give our takes a little bit here. And I'm sure Magic, Pistons, Rockets, Thunders fan listening are feeling the same way. Is there any joy in watching these games where you're running a team out there that's not what you at all what you expected? You're competing for nothing. Honestly, losing is probably better than winning at this point. Is there joy in watching these games, or is there just a competitiveness inside you, Hoop, that's like, I do not like this? Um, so as a fan, you mean watching these games, I would say I haven't watched a full Pacer game probably in two weeks. Um I'm pretty regular, you know, every night I'll at least have it on in the background if it's on or something, but nothing like if your team is fighting for, you know, in playoffs and stuff, I would be watching it. It would be my main thing I'm watching. Like I'm sitting down eating dinner, watching the game. Like that's for this, like in this situation, for me as a fan, I want the highest draft pick. So you tank as much as you want, you know, uh, I know we talked about a little earlier about, these younger guys and looking and seeing what you can get and if their drag stops improving or not. But yeah, at this point you're, if you know your team is in the contentions for, you know, even a top five pick, you want them to be in the top five because that only looks better for your team in the future, obviously. Um, especially like a team, like I would say both of our teams are pretty good examples of it, but teams that have shown that they, can be in the playoff picture and fight for, you know, a late kind of deep playoff push getting into the Eastern Conference Finals and stuff. Uh, I mean, Portland, Damian Lillard, you add any other, you know, player, young player, kind of develop him alongside of Damian Lillard, that, that team could be dangerous. You don't want to face that. So for me as a fan of these teams, I want the lower – I mean – Tank as much as you want. I'm not watching it, but I will check the scores to make sure we didn't win tonight. You know what I mean? So that's kind of my mindset. I don't know how you kind of feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in the same vein. Like I, I haven't watched a full Blazers game in a long time, just because like it's it's just there's so many other good games on, and part of our job is talking about all these other teams. So it's kind of hard to just like when your team's winning, it's easy to be like, oh, I'll figure that out later. But when your team is playing like our teams have been playing you're like all right i'd rather it's probably better for me at this point to go watch this other west coast game at the same time but uh the blazers the, the some of the joy comes from the fact that like you get to see these guys play that would have never ever gotten a shot otherwise like uh, in that pistons thunder game the, the final 10 guys on the court i had only heard before the game of about like <laughs> 86 of them. I mean, there were some guys out there. I was like, you are not an NBA player. I I have never seen you in my life. And they were out there getting buckets and they're playing. And, and, you know, the pressure is just off for these guys because, I mean, there's always pressure to make the team and you want to stay in the NBA. But, like, they just get to go out and have fun. They get to live the dream of being an NBA player. And that is something that there is joy in that. And, like, like, again, Killian Hayes, the guy was a lottery pick. He struggled a lot in his career. And the Pistons really just drafted his replacement in Cade Cunningham. And we've talked a lot about Cade on this, this show. I think you and I both agree in, within the next three, four years, we're looking at like a top 10, 15 player in the NBA. That's how good Cade Cunningham is. So Killian Hayes, his spot on the Pistons, where he got drafted and his struggles and everything, is starting to look very shaky. But the man just put up a career high 
he 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 legitimately did something that the last Pistons player to do it was Grant Hill. I mean, it, 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 that the, there is joy in that. And if I was a, a Pistons fan, I'd be so happy for the guy. But like, all in all, it's it's I'd say it's a less stressful situation to be in than as opposed to like competing for a championship team. But I would I'd choose the stress over this a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, another thing is too. I I kind of like at least for the Indiana Pacers because uh, we've made a lot of moves this year, getting rid of players and you know kind of building just kind of a framework type of deal. You get to see these guys kind of develop a little bit, you know, at least for the Pacers, Halliburton. Obviously, he's been a great player, but he's kind of filling, kind of filling out his role and how he's going to play with the Pacers. And we get to see that he's developing chemistry with these guys. Like, that's what I like to see. Um, and it's good for these young players just to get minutes under their belt, you know, because everybody, I guess, maybe not every team, because. You just said about the Detroit Pistons throwing out people you've never heard of, but those guys are also technically, I guess, NBA players. They're good, you know, competition, and just to de- have a development factor and getting minutes under their belt in NBA play, especially for young guys, is what I like to see as a fan. Making sure that when he does come off the bench next year, I can trust him. And that's kind of like I've seen him do this because when you just throw out somebody I've never heard of or never seen before, I'm like, I don't trust this guy. So it's like, but now I get to see these guys and, you know, here and there kind of get familiar and they get familiar with their team a little bit too. So, yeah, but I'm on the same boat. I'm not watching the games. I'd rather, you know, (laughs) I'd rather be going to playoff games and, and not. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure most of these teams, the fans of these teams in the tank feel the same way. But, hey, well, draft lottery, is it's in sight. We can see it. So we, we got that to celebrate. And maybe maybe one day we'll be celebrating one of our teams having a first overall pick. The, number, the odds are not likely, but if we do, that's a, that's a worthy of a celebration. But going back to the, the playoff play-in conversation, uh, as we start wrapping up some NBA topics here, uh, I'm going to give some uh, quick – predictions for the playing games uh, as far as where the teams are going to end up, who's going to win what game, and then who we're going to see actually in the, the real playoffs, which I know technically if you make the playing games, you made the playoffs, but I'm just going to call them the real playoffs because I, I refuse to believe 10 teams from each conference make the playoffs. So the real playoffs. Uh, I think the East playing games are going to be Cavs versus Hawks 7-8 and then Nets Hornets 9-10. I think the Hawks win and the Nets win. Uh, so the Hawks will be in with the seven seed. And then I think the Nets beat the Cavs, which is sad because this Cavs team has been awesome, but the injury bugs really bit him and they're starting to skid at a bad time. And I, they don't have anybody that can guard Kevin Durant. So I've taken KDs and Kyrie Nets there. And so that would leave the Hawks getting the seven seed and the Nets getting the eight seed. And then in, out West, it'll I think it'll be Timberwolves versus Clips in the seven, eight. And I think the Clippers win that game to get the seven seed. And then I think it'll be Pelicans Spurs 9-10. I think the Pelicans win that game. But then I believe the Timberwolves beat the Pelicans. So then it'll end up being Clips 7 seed, Wolves 8 seed, and the Pelicans and the Spurs go home. I like that. Um, so I guess in that sense, it would be you would have, if it ended today, I guess that for the East at least, you would have the Nets playing the Heat. So I'd, if I'm the Heat, I don't want that matchup at all. You know what I mean? Having a Nets team like like that. So I think that I I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty online with that. I think the Nets will make it into the actual playoffs as you're calling them. Um but yeah, I think another future I had with the Western Conference at least is the Lakers to make the finals or whatever and then win their division or whatever. I think that's what it was. I don't know exactly, but yeah, I don't see the, the Lakers making the playoffs either. So that's kind of I'm on board with that. Um, and then Clippers, I just wish Kawhi was back. I wish this team could actually, you know, really compete. Um, but, yeah, I like I like what you said for sure. That would uh, cool. pretty much online is what I'm thinking. I'm just trying to run through them real quick. But yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, generally speaking, the, the play in tournaments are pretty much set. There's some seating that could go wrong, but those will most likely be all the first-run matchups across the board. But – uh, yeah, like you talked about, that leaves the Nets getting an eight seed. And even though we talked so much about how the Nets have struggled, I would much rather face the Nets in a one-game series than a seven-game series right now because guarding Kevin Durant for seven games just sounds 
miserable. And the Heat are a great team, and they are a legitimate finals contender, don't get me wrong. But if you get so unlucky and get the Nets in your first round, that just sucks. And that's and honestly, I'm not sure if I take the Heat in a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean, you could also look at it and see if the Nets bump up and get the seventh seed, then – we're talking about if it ended today, Bucks Nets. That could be the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I mean? So the Nets are really kind of throwing a wrench into these top seeds. Kind of, I mean, first round is going to be a, a doozy of a doozy of a round for sure. So absolutely, there. I don't think there's going to be any boring first round series, which is going to be nice. I mean, I think this, whoever ends up with the eight seed in the West, who I have right now, the uh, Timberwolves getting it. The Suns would would probably sweep the Timberwolves, so that that would probably be a little boring. But in the East, every first round series could go either way, and that's going to be that's going to be fun to see. And that's part of the reason why the East is so good this year. Let, real talk. Last thing about the NBA is the Hall of Fame class was just announced, which isn't horribly big news, but it's awesome for these people who got in. Uh, some of the bigger names that got in include Manu Ginobili, one of the greatest South American players of all time, probably the greatest South American basketball player of all time at least in NBA standards. Uh, Tim Hardaway, one of the greatest ball handlers of all time, really kind of revolutionary when it came to ball handling. Uh, Swin Cash, WNBA superstar. George Carl, longtime NBA head coach. Uh, and many others, many others. But a big year for, the, as far as NBA players go, big year for the guards. Uh, it's kind of a little bit of like a game-changing guards. I, I don't think anybody would like say Manu and Tim Hardaway are like some of the most influential players of all time. But when you look at like how guards play nowadays, they play a lot more like Manu and Tim Hardaway than other versions of guards that came before them. So yeah. I, it's a big year. And, and I, I mean, I love Manu's game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd like to see people get into kind of the, I guess the hall of fame and kind of where they kind of fall and when they do get in and Manu Ginobili, I was a Suns fan growing up following Steve Nash and I absolutely hated him um, just because they would always beat the Suns. But yeah, it's cool to see these guys get in, and I like it. I mean, I like I like seeing these guys get the recognition they deserve. So, with that, I'm going to bring up Absolutely. something to you to kind of end this up that I didn't get to talk to you about last week because obviously I wasn't here. But your trip to Vegas, I need a full breakdown. I know we were. I was kind of on the edge of my seat for that to be your first time going. Well, how was Vegas and you got any stories you got stories to bring back to some? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I talked a little bit about it last week, but it, it was a good trip. Uh, nothing like overboard crazy happened because I really wasn't there that long. I was only there a couple nights and it was March Madness. So the days, you know, on the West Coast, the March Madness games are starting at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it, the, the days, a lot of them were kind of ate up by just sitting in a sports book and watching March Madness, which is an incredible atmosphere. I mean, it's it's like like I was telling you before we started recording, you know, St. Peter's Purdue. We were watching that game live. And St. Peter's basically at game at tip was about like plus 600 when it came to the uh, money line. And there were guys in there putting like hundreds of dollars on it. I mean, like, the you know, they wanted to see St. Peter's win. They thought they had Purdue's number. And when St. Peter's did win, the place exploded. It, it was awesome. I, I didn't have any money on it, but like just watching those guys be so amped up about it was was so great. Um, I, I had one good night on a blackjack table, and then I had another very bad night on a blackjack table. But you know that's that's how it goes. Um, I saw some some interesting people, saw some interesting things, ate some great meals, um, and really the the story of the weekend, which again I talked a little bit about last episode, was. Uh, my buddy Charlie hitting a five dollar parlay to win seven hundred fifty bucks under on every Sweet Sixteen game. Talk about a sweat! My God, it, it, when every bucket made is getting a little bit closer to you, would missing out on possibly seven hundred fifty bucks. It was the all time sweat. It was it was a really great trip. But I actually have a little bit better gambling story to tell you that has nothing to do with Vegas. If you're interested, let's hear it. I'm always I'm a gambler. Let's hear it. I know. And I know most people listen are like, dude, we don't give a shit about your gambling stories, but just hear me out. This is a good one. I promise. So um, I'm, I'm sure people have seen it and everybody's had the same thought is like, what if we just started with like five or $10 and we bet one game a day and we just doubled up every, every day until I would see how, how long we go for until we missed. So a buddy of mine, his name's Ryan. He's my, one of my best friends of all time. He's basically a brother to me. 
we've tried to do this a couple times and the farthest we ever got was like day two and then we'd lose. And, and I don't really know why that is. We're not bad gamblers. We're both big NBA fans. Sometimes you just get unlucky. But on Monday, the 28th, March 20th, we decided we were going to do it again. We said, you know what? $10 down. We're going to start. So on Monday, we put in a bet. The Denver Nuggets minus three and a half spread. They won. They won. They, and they covered. So we're up to $19.09. Doubling down. Next day, the Bulls minus four. This was against the Wizards. The, it was a $19.09 wager. It hits $36.44. All right. Now we're getting some momentum. You know, we're starting to move along. The next day, we've switched the vibes up. We go Wizards minus three and a half. It hits. We are now up to $69.56. At this point, you know, the, the thought of cashing out is kind of in your head because you're like, all right, I'm already at like seven times return here. Like, what we got to think about it. But oh, we were not done. On the next night, it was the Nets-Bucks game on Thursday night, which was an awesome game overtime. Anybody that watched it loved it. Bucks ended up pulling out. But we took Kevin Durant points, rebounds, and assists at over 43 and a half. Oh, yeah. For anybody that was watching, and if you took this bet, you know this bet was dead in the water with about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. It wasn't going to hit. There had no reason to hit. The Nets were up 11. KD was still like 13 off. It, it had no reason for 12 or 13 off. Late game run by the Bucs, couple late buckets by KD. It goes to overtime. We need seven. He hits a three. We need four. He goes three minutes without doing anything. He grabs a board. We need three. He gets fouled shooting a three, as I'm sure most people remember how the game went. He knocks down the three free throws and then ends up losing, but he got us to 44. That was the ultimate sweat. I have never experienced a bet sweat like that in my life. Took us to 125-20. The next day, this is the game I watched, the Pistons, the horrible Pistons-Thunder game. Because the only spread we liked was Pistons minus four and a half. And I watched those damn guys. I, I love them and respect them to death. But they were, it was not very entertaining basketball. But they covered minus four and a half. That was at $125.20 bet. At this point, every bet I'm making is the biggest bet of my life. Like, like that is, that, that's the point we're at here. I mean, this is a $125 bet. I, I'm just not that big unit better. But that paid out to $234. We had one more day to go because we were like, all right, well, no matter what happens, we are done after this. We bet Zach Levine three-pointers made over two and a half at $234.06. It hit in the first three minutes. He was three for three from three in the first three minutes. That paid out at $437.59. In six days, we went from $10 to $437.59, and we have cashed out. We're done. I know most people would say let it ride, but we have we've let it ride longer than we ever wanted to. It was awesome. It was a thrill of a lifetime. My buddy Evan jumped on about halfway through his he made the same amount of money. It was as far as a six day gambling run, the best I'll ever have. It was a lot of fun. And for those of you listening out there, it can happen. Believe it. If you know what you're doing and you do the research and you really look into it, it can happen. You can turn ten into basically four hundred forty dollars. It was awesome, and that is. That's my story. We're trying to figure out a way to memorialize it. Maybe we'll put up the bet ticket somewhere, but it was awesome. So I, I just want to tell everybody out there a little uplifting gambling story and that it can happen. I mean, I'm be honest, after the Kevin Durant one, I would have been like, I I, I can't push my luck anymore. That was too, too crazy. Yeah. We we mentioned that we were like, can we really keep going after this? But then we were like, well, it can't be another sweat like that. I can it. And then it really wasn't. Every bet after that hit pretty, pretty neither the none of those were sweaters, but it was uh the the KD thing like when he got fouled shooting that three I, I it, like the biggest weight ever been lifted up my shoulders and I only had like seventy dollars in the game at that point. If Zach Levine had had like a sweater last night with two hundred thirty whatever dollars on line, which is like by far the biggest bet I've ever made, that would have been tough. But it hit in the first three minutes, and then we decided we're done. We're never gonna get that lucky again. We're hitting the road with our chips, and it was uh it was it was great. And I, I shout out Ryan and Evan. Shout out Ryan definitely he did so much work on this, helped me out immensely. Shout out Evan just for being willing to ride, and uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. There's always that one one little side mm -hmm. of your brain, though. What if I just do it one more day? I can tell up. One more. I day. know we. I didn't <laughs> even let myself look at the board today, so I was like, I, I'm going to see something. I want to do it, but now, nah, as much as it would have been cool to go up to plus eight hundred, we we call it good, and, and we got some spending money. You know, money you win gambling. You gotta you gotta splurge a little bit. So 
I'll come up with something good, but it was a lot of fun. And though it wasn't in Vegas, that's the best gambling story I got. Well, I like it. Um, I think with that, I'm going to namaste these fools out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, hopefully we get Andy back next week and uh, be on the lookout for the interview um, coming out on Thursday as well. Um, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to namaste. I'm out of here. So namaste to you guys. Namaste. 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 Thank you all for listening. See you all next week. Only in the night.